In this episode of the Scaling Therapy Practice, David and I talk about hiring a virtual assistant and some of the things that they do and how much they cost and what tasks you would give them. I think one of the one of the highlights of the episode for, for me was talking about when do you hire a virtual assistant? And often the, the joke is you, you hire a virtual assistant like a year after you actually need one. Like you, you, you hire too late, basically. That's the joke. So uh, what I want to highlight, though, is if you're starting to feel stressed, if things are falling through the cracks, you're starting to cheat your family and you're finding more and more reasons to go to the office uh, or stay late and answering the phone calls. Uh, but your family you're, is missing out on you and your attention. And I would start thinking about ways to offload even a couple hours a week off your plate to a virtual assistant. Start tracking the things that you do and total them up and find, you know, five hours a week that you can transfer to a virtual assistant. Maybe that's the scheduling. Maybe it's your social media. Maybe it's your insurance tasks where you're you're, you're waiting on the phone to figure out why somebody didn't pay. And you're like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating. If those frustrations are building up and you're cheating your family, I highly recommend finding a virtual assistant that can help you out so that you can be the, the best and freshest for your clients, your business, and your family. Time is a resource that it once it's gone, it's gone. It's a very limited resource. There is a constraint on your time and you are able to maximize it by offloading the things that somebody else can do so that you can focus on the most important things. Okay, so we get off my soapbox, but I hope you enjoy the episode. There's a lot of resources in the show notes where you can find training for virtual assistants through the productive therapist. You can hire your own virtual assistant through either the productive therapist or Upwork and, you know, just some other tools for maximizing and automating some of your business. So check out the show notes. Thanks for joining us. On with the show. PsychMaven is proud to support the Scaling Therapy Practice Podcast. And if you are someone looking for ideas that are tailored to your own personal style on how to scale and grow your own impact and income as a mental health provider, we hope you might check out our free online assessment. If you go to stp.psychmaven.com, you can take our free personal inventory and find out what your builder type is as a helping professional. This assessment is quick and fun, and it comes with tons of customized resources with your results so you can discover the best ways to scale that match your own personality. Find the assessment at stp.psychmaven.com. That is stp.psychmaven.com. Have fun with it. Welcome to the Scaling Therapy Practice. My name's James Marland. I'm with Dr. David Hall. Today, we're going to be talking about adding a virtual assistant to your practice, a really awesome topic. Uh, up first, David, do you have a tech tool or tip of the week? 
well, I guess a virtual assistant is is techie or just the. But I, yeah, I, I will say, um, uh, co-receptionist, co-receptionist.co is related to this because one of the things I'll share in this episode is I currently do not have any admin support in my office, mm -hmm. and, and we're going to talk about virtual assistants, but we're also going to just talk about help of like when mm -hmm. to get admin support, support of any sort. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, I have uh, this. It's a virtual receptionist. It's the system. So if you come to my office, we have an iPad man mounted on the wall, and we use this app called Co-Receptionist where people can come in and check in, and it will send a text message to their therapist that they've arrived. And it's not a very expensive thing, but it's a, a Indian-based company, uh, Co-Receptionist.co. I've used them now for a few years. They have great tech support. Uh, and it's a really simple system. It's not very expensive. And it's a great way just to have an easy check-in process that we don't have to have a person sitting behind mm -hmm. a desk to do. So that's my tech. Awesome. So my my uh, my my tip is on um, using AI to generate social media posts. Mm. Uh, I just learned recently, I've been working with ChatGPT, and you can... Uh, ask it to write down a bulleted list of items. You can save those items into a Excel spreadsheet uh, with a comma separated value. And then you can upload that spreadsheet into Canva and then do bulk something. I, I gotta, I'll make a blog post about this or maybe a webinar, but then you can bulk upload it into a, a template you've already created and now you have a list of formatted items to, to publish out. It is a massive time saver. And I'm mm -hmm. super excited about all the, just all the time saving things that AI is bringing. It's almost like, to me, AI is almost like experiencing the start of the internet all over again, because it is it's like hyper, hyper, energizing what you know and do but you can just make it better faster quicker it the, the it's incredible so chat gpt uh i'll put a link to um a, a blog post or something or maybe a webinar about this that i'll do but it is wonderful Go i had ahead. somebody sharing with me uh open ai a uh, yeah. similar sort of thing for for that and uh and I, I will say there's a little bit of me that does get scary about, uh, gets, gets scared a little bit about this. And so um, in case that this is coming out of the future, want to give a shout out for our new overlords, uh, the AI system uh, <laughs> that are using our nutrients and electronic power to power the system. Uh, praise uh, we're, be to we're them. at least a decade away from that. I think uh, it's like, let's find out. Uh, so, but wait, this, wait, this is an episode. Yeah. I know we're going on, but do you think there's a, a an ethics course on using AI for therapists? Is that yes. an idea? Yes, okay. I, 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 think I know you be, do ethics training. Yeah, I, I do ethics training. I'm I, I definitely the ethical dilemmas come to mind in this idea of and and I'll give you a, a quick side note, or I'll try to keep it quick. Um, here's another way that technology, though, and the ethics has been interesting. This has been a conversation around. A lot of the online services, BetterHelp, Talkspace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's the, and I'll talk about BetterHelp because I'm more familiar with their model. Uh, Talkspace, one of the differences, they, they use insurance-based models where basically BetterHelp, it's a, their pay system is, 
I, I, I find problematic. And one of the things that at the time of recording, this is how they do it, is they they set up the system of texting between therapist and client. Okay. Which there are huge ethical issues I find with that yeah. because a lot of how therapy has been designed is this idea of contained time because part of it is you're, you're, a lot of what people need, particularly people who are working through anxiety, is the ability to develop distress tolerance and texting your therapist constantly is not takes going away to that. Yeah. It, yeah. It does it away with that. It. And, yeah. And so this is a way that I think tech people have this idea of like, oh, you can text your therapist at any time. This sounds great. And for therapists, I'm looking at this from a behavioral science side of things. I mean, like, actually, there are huge ethical issues, mm. not just in the sense of boundaries and, and things like that. There are the also issues, issues. Yeah. of it. Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's good mm -hmm. because there are ways that this counteracts effectively dealing with anxiety. Mm. So I realize I've just torpedoed our chances of being sponsored by Better Help in the future, but I'm okay with that. I have friends who use it and they love it. So, uh, but I'm not a yeah, as I said, I'm not a therapist. So, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. let's so uh, we, let's get back on track. Let's get back. So I want to I want to lead this conversation um, because as we've kind of talked about, there are lots of things we talk about that it's been more in my wheelhouse as a working therapist, but. You know, James as an, has worked kind of all these support systems mm -hmm. and you brought up virtual therapists or virtual uh, assistants and sure. we definitely want to get into that. But I just even kind of admin support. So here's the mm -hmm. first question that comes to mind. Sure. When, if you're a therapist listening to this and they don't have admin support, what are the markers that they should be looking for that should yeah. uh, trigger the thought of, I maybe need to get some admin support? So uh, a little bit of backstory for three years, I worked for a virtual assistant company where I, I interviewed uh, therapists and uh, assistants and matched them together. And it was wonderful. It felt, it, it fell within my need to create systems and uh, help people. And I felt like I was doing this great uh, mission, you know, to, to make the lives easier of these sometimes drownish therapist. Uh, so the the question was, when when do you know you need support? So I think one of the big indicators is when things start falling through the cracks, like you you have phone calls to make. A big thing was phone calls for us. You have phone calls to make and you you find that you're you're either not getting to to them for days or weeks and you and you know these people, are looking for some sort of help and you're not responding to those calls and it, it grates at you and you know it's there. The second thing with that though is instead of waiting a day or two, you steal from your family. <laughs> like mm. you steal somebody pays for this. Like you're you're stealing from somebody. I think Andy Stanley, one of his books is like yeah, um choosing to cheat was the book. It was a wonderful uh book. You cheat somebody and and uh one of the one of the indicators is you start cheating your family or you cheat yourself like you're working you you see clients all day long and then you return emails and phone calls for 2 hours at the end of the night because you you were you, it's easier to cheat yourself yeah you're, it's easier to cheat yourself and your family than the the clients and and that's um that's a huge indicator 
uh, that when things start falling through the cracks. I think another indicator is money. Like people always came to us with like, I'm leaving money on the table. I'm leaving money on the table. Like they have spots to fill, but they can't fill them. Or people would cancel two days ahead of time, but they didn't have enough time to go through their list and get that scheduled in there. And they just felt like they were leaving money on the table. That's what's So there's an efficiency aspect of things. Like when, when you're missing things that you feel guilty about, and also when you realize that you've gotten to a point of in, inefficiency, that it's hurting your profitability in what you do. You're, you're the bottleneck. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that's a big hesitancy for people in wanting to add help is that, is that I, I don't want to spend the money on it, but I think there's this tipping point that we can sometimes see when mm -hmm. it's happening. Sometimes we see it a little late that I'm actually being less profitable because of my own bottlenecking of the process. Well, I talked to some people who had insurance, they were an insurance-based company and they had, um, uh, what are those things when they, they don't, uh, error reports where they're not getting paid mm. for it and, and they would just work harder. There's their solution, their solution, instead of fixing up why, why they weren't getting paid from mm. the insurance company was to just do another session or so. And so they were leaving, you know, when you talk about leaving money on the table, you have a couple a week, you know, it's thousands of dollars a month and they would do that for years. I've, yeah, I've heard stories of that definitely. And, and, um, I think something to kind of highlight too, is we talk about admin support of how different of an age we live in, in a few different ways. So for mental health, historically, you typically had to have support to mm -hmm. uh, to run anything of any size because you needed somebody to answer the phones you needed somebody uh to check in clients you needed somebody to do insurance billing and so it was a rare office i think that didn't have at least somebody at least one person but technology has allowed us to do you know part of how i'm able to run an admin free office is i as i highlighted in my tech tip i have a virtual receptionist she has yeah. a name we, we it, it, the the receptionist name is Janice. We have like these running jokes about her, uh, and uh, because it's a text message, so it's a contact in all our phones with this fictitious person. Uh, we I use for our phones. We have a phone system with an automatic phone tree, and so we don't have a receptionist answering phones. We have what kind of guides people to a, to different voicemail boxes, and we have you know people that return phone calls, mainly me. Uh, but we also, because we have online booking, people can request appointments mm -hmm. online and we really direct people in that way. Phone calls are really designed like I have a question that I can't answer easily. So I don't have a lot of phone calls to have to return generally. And so technology has allowed us to do this. And I mm -hmm. appreciate that. But then it gets to the point of when you, when this question comes in, uh, and so there's, there's of course, in-person people you can hire. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be any number of, of things that you consider. And that's more of an historical sort of bit and still valid. And, and I think oftentimes we really want that. But to go into your stream of expertise, you know, it's the virtual assistant. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll share a little bit about, I don't know if I, I didn't know the word until 2019. Virtual assistant. Virtual assistant. I, yeah. I don't think I knew. Or if I did, it it it's not sticking out in my brain. I, I where it first came into my mind was a podcast episode I listened to uh, on Teachable, which is the pod, which is the course hosting platform that I use. They have a podcast called Everything Is Teachable, 
And one of their first episodes was with a course creator. Her name is Abby Ashley. Uh, shout out to Abby Ashley. I haven't met her at this point, but I've, I've she's guested in a lot of podcasts oh, I follow. Savvy. Is that the Virtual Savvy? Virtual Savvy. Her, yeah. Oh, her, she's wonderful. Yeah. she's she, Her uh, system is the Virtual Savvy. She runs online courses, training people to be virtual assistants. She has a community. Now, I think she does great work, but mm -hmm. she explained her journey of becoming a virtual assistant and then teaching other people how to do it. And I had not been familiar with the, the model before, but so uh, I guess first question, Jason, so what is a virtual assistant for those who, who may feel like, <laughs> what is a virtual assistant? Well, it's, it's somebody who can, who works for you, either a contractor or an employee that uh, does the work from their computer, not located in your office. Often they can work at different times of the day, or you can even hire somebody who works in a different time zone uh, to do the work. Um, it's more, the work is often more asynchronous than synchronous. I know we talked about this episode ago where you give them work, they work on it, but you're not always working on it at the same time. So yeah. a virtual assistant just uh, if they're a contractor, they normally come with their own their own computer, their own you know phone type system or a way to get in touch with them, email, that type of stuff. If they're an employee, you provide a lot of those things for them, and the like you pay their taxes and if they have any benefits, and um, you can control their contract or employees. You you get to tell them when to sit in the chair and what they're doing. Where a contractor said, basically, I'm really dumbing this down. This isn't tax advice, but it's it's, <laughs> it's basically uh, you. Here's the job. You use your tools to do the job. Yeah, that's the. And we want to make clear, like there are different rules in employment depending on where you're located, which mm -hmm. state. Uh, so we wanted to get the disclaimer. Neither James nor I are uh, accountants or attorneys. <laughs> Licensed in any state and jurisdiction, as you have questions, please seek out an appropriate professor. Anyways, I, I answered your question a little deeper than what you wanted. Well, but, it, but it is the, uh, but it, it goes to the, uh, oftentimes there's there's distance. And, and I, the appeal for people doing this work often was the, the working at home. And you've talked about how even the world of working as a virtual assistant well, or hiring has changed yeah. since COVID. Because, you know, when I first became familiar with the term 2019, virtual work, felt a bit more uh novel uh and... yeah when when i started the in the company 2019 it was it was a benefit like working from home to be able to like create your own schedule and do those types of things and still get paid like people that was like it it was it was just something people were like oh wow i can get do this from home this is great and now Three years later, it's expected. Like it's mm -hmm. it's almost like, oh, this isn't virtual. I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm and and there are all these different factors that lead to that. So, but I, you talked about that it could be an employee, it could be a independent contractor. That more often than not, it's an independent contractor for right. uh, in in the virtual assistant world. And um, you talked about they can be in different time zones, oftentimes different countries. A lot yeah. of the appeal that people have for overseas-based VAs is depending on the the country and how exchange rates work if you're a U.S.-based US uh, employer or, mm -hmm. or contractor, person offering the contract. I, yeah, I guess you would call that, uh, whatever the terminology is, that you could be paying uh, a wage that is less than what you'd have to pay for a U.S.-based person, but it is a very 
generous based uh, right. based on cost of living exchange rate like you're paying that person well uh and not i don't say that because i don't want people to have this idea that the, the goal is to squeeze some individual for as much as you can get but just the nature of cost of living and and things like that can be vastly different in different places and that can make it you know affordable what so what did they do when you would, when you would oh, set sure. up virtual assistants with therapists what were the typical tasks that the VAs would do and the, the typical tasks is what you'd probably expect almost anything you can do with a computer and a phone so um one of the big tasks was taking phone calls or returning phone calls checking the voicemail the email calling clients back uh getting their information often the therapists or the oh, the practice owners would give us some sort of like script or criteria to go through to make sure they're a good fit or or there would be like if they're not a good fit send them to me and i'll take care of it. so we were like the gatekeepers of people that that came in and they would do the 15 20 minutes of uh, uh getting getting their information getting them in the schedule getting their insurance verifying the insurance um it was a great uh uh one of the main benefits or a, a huge benefit of having a virtual assistant do the phone call, that initial call is the therapist didn't have to do 30 minutes of unfunded counseling yeah. yeah, for there. So there was this barrier set up, but, but they did a lot of those administration data collection tasks. They would put them in the calendar. They would send out the paperwork. They would check on the paperwork to make sure it got in. They would check on the insurance or the payment processing. A lot of people liked getting the credit card before the first session mm -hmm. just to put that in the system and you didn't have to track it down afterwards. I thought that was a really good, just like an ordering, you know, putting something in the right order saves you time on the back end and some frustration on the back end. Mm -hmm. So they they did a lot of things with insurance. So if those um, reports came in where you uh, the, the bills were unpaid, the error reports, they would call them or check check the code often in the ehr systems there's a code that says you know you didn't add a birthday or something you yeah. know it, it tells you where to look and it's an easy fix so they would do the easy fixes and if you had to call them because some companies you still have to call that was a giant time waster for the not waster but you know what i mean it was just oh it's a, a it could be a waster i i've been on a whole i've been on, You've been on talking those to calls you like it, it is yeah it could it genuinely yeah. could be a waste of time oh man like so so there's a little bit of when you think about those types of tasks uh like what's the return on investment so if if the if the if it takes 20 to 40 dollars for a virtual assistant probably more than 20 um what what could you be doing with that time what's your return on investment and it it could be you could see another client or it could be you're going to survive. Like, like you're not going to burn out yeah. as quickly. Like I think we discount the survivability of being in charge of all of the things mm -hmm. and, and being able to offload it. Okay. So it costs me, you know, I'm not seeing another client doing this, but I love my life better. And I'm actually a better therapist because I'm not grinding it out to get these, these tasks done that somebody has to do. So there's, there's the, you're, there definitely is a return on investment because you you can make a lot more money with your hour than the virtual assistant can make with their hour. Like you, they're making money for you as they do those things. But 
in the in the idea of going between if someone's intrigued yeah and they're deciding well should i go out and hire one directly or should i use a company what's your advice on that and where would they go for either of those options all right so i have two two things on that being slightly loyal i in uh i worked for a company that provided virtual assistants and i thought the the pros the pros for the, the going to a company was they have a system they they've done this before there's this institutional knowledge that they've worked with many other companies you, you got to do a little research but you they've worked with other companies they've seen your systems before they know how to do it and if they haven't done it exactly like they have the the knowledge in there to to make it work you know you work things out and get get it to up quicker so i think the there's up a little quicker the training is also like you do have to do training i mean you do have to tell your virtual assistant what to do and where to push the buttons and the process of your office but they should have the basics you know they should know ehrs they should know insurance they should know what cash pay is they should know how to convert people who um are don't use insurance or at least put you in the best possible place for conversion uh, they should know how to like the 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 standards like return calls in 24 hours or whatever the standards is like and then you have with the company you have somebody that supports that person so if you have a problem there's an extra layer of management hey i have a problem with their conversion rate or they're not taking notes down so you talk to their manager you talk to the owner of that company hey can you give them a little more training on this so that prevents you the owner from doing all the training. I'm not saying it, you don't have to do some of the training, but there's a there's a layer of accountability and training and working things out. And then this this is the big thing I think with the uh, companies is the 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 landscape has changed with people staying. It just has. Like virtual assistants you can get somebody who stays with you 5 years or you're going to get somebody that stays with you for 5 weeks. Like I I haven't figured that out particularly when i worked for the past virtual assistant company what we tried to do and it it worked most of the time was we made them our employees so they were our employees we paid their benefits we paid their wages um we we did engagement type things so they felt like they were part of a company part of something moving gave them ability to move up in the company so it created that employee type environment where they were the idea was they were supposed to be more loyal, you know, to the company. Um, it it uh, it worked, but it was still a work in pro- process. Mm. So um, the so uh, disadvantages that... disadvantages is cost. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just expensive cost to go more. to a company because you're you're basically paying two entities in that you're paying yeah. for the VA time and you're paying for the management of the VA time. Yeah. And I will say, like, my first venture into using a VA, I used an independent company. It was a premium. But I also felt for having never had a virtual assistant before, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know. And having a company was really uh, worth it. So resources for that, there's uh, the productive therapist, Uriah Guilford, who's a friend of the network. And I so want to highlight him. And I know there there are other companies there. If, If someone, though, was you know, felt pretty organized. Let's say we have a natural systems person in place that feels pretty confident in being able, like, where would you go about trying to find somebody who's freelance, not through an agency? 
Facebook groups, you know? Uh, so my initial thought was something like Fiverr. Um, yes. And or Upwork. Upwork yeah. are, are really good uh, resources. Sometimes you can find people who are looking for long-term contracts and sometimes not. If you're looking for a general um, virtual assistant, maybe not somebody who's going to do uh, like your phone calls, but you need somebody for social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Jess, uh, uh, Jess, Jess, uh, oh man, hold on. This is where I want to pause the episode and look it up. Um, I'll, I'll put it in the link, but she had, um, don't panic management. Sorry. Don't mm -hmm. panic management. I did some consulting with her. She actually was, had did consulting for us and, uh, she was, her system was wonderful. So don't panic management. They do podcasting and mm -hmm. like newsletter, like the general virtual assistant mm -hmm. things. Um, I do think, and th this could be my bias. I do think it's. Uh, very difficult to train a general uh, virtual assistant to do the calls. I think somebody, yes. somebody that there has to be some extra training. It's just harder. And, and yeah, for, your I think for the more therapy, yeah, the more therapy specific work, unless, unless you contract with somebody, you found somebody who had done that before that was part yeah. of their resume, that, but then they're yeah. going to charge more, but yeah, then yeah. You, you should, you you should pay them more because they're yeah. they they the the what what is the thing like one problem like if they can prevent one problem that saves you 10 hours like it's crazy how much um one yeah. customer service issue causes yeah. uh upward um i had another point here anyways go ahead what, yeah there's upwork and fiverr and um i mean the productive therapist has uh virtual assistants for um therapy offices so. yes and, and that's kind of their niche is, is providing that so we want to give a shout out for them and one, one thing on hiring i know yes. i know we gotta wrap up but one thing on hiring that this this saved me a lot of times is when you're hiring an individual okay you the, our tendency is to look for reasons to say yes and i did this a lot mm -hmm. i'd be like oh yes 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 and then if something was a uh, a, a maybe or a red flag, we uh, we would discount it, right? We would go gloss you over. You really it. need to do the opposite. You need to highlight the red flags. Oh and, my word! You yeah. you have to like your your job as a hiring manager is actually to look for reasons to say no, because if you if you um if you say yes to somebody who's or if you say no to somebody who's a bad fit or no, let me go the other way. If you say no to somebody who's a good fit you feel regret, like a little bit of disappointment. You feel yeah. you feel bad, but you move on. If you say yes to somebody you should have said no to, you're hiring your pain. It you're is. hiring it really somebody is. You who are, you are gonna paying your you pain down. to hang out with you. Yeah, and I've, so I, I've that's had that my main in, advice yeah. on that. So one thing, here's my one thing that I'm taking away from, from this conversation in that is that um, it is, it's when you, it's the, first bit where you recognize that when you see what you're not doing and you're constantly haunted, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. by what you're leaving undone, either because you feel guilty about it because of the, how it's affecting your relationship to potential clients or your active clients or the community, or you feel you're stealing from your personal time, your family time mm -hmm. to, to reinvest. And so when 
when you see that, when you you see the those gaps, that's really a time to consider how might I get some additional support to fill this. And a virtual assistant could be very much that sort of thing. And my my one thing that I want you to know is that hiring a virtual assistant is probably one of the best return on investment things mm. you can do. Uh, uh, Julie from Green Oak Accounting has this re return on investment calculator for her podcast, and and you can type in the numbers for um, for virtual assistants, and almost every time you come out ahead. So not even are you. Or, or even, not only are you like offloading these tasks to somebody who is probably good or even better at them than you are, you're you're also saving yourself for the things that are really important for you. Mm. So, um, I would I would look into making the investment. Uh, notice notice some of those things and make a small investment. You know, five hours a week or five hours a month. And this is something people may not catch. And, and as we wrap up to highlight, like a lot of virtual assistants, you're not, particularly as they're contractors, you're not their only contract. Mm -hmm. And so you contract, it's it's rarely, particularly as you begin a full-time person, you're providing right. hours for it. Maybe somebody who's doing five hours a week or 10 hours a week for you. And so that gives flexibility in the pricing. Well, James, thank you for sharing your wisdom on this. Well, I feel I've learned. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thanks for joining our conversation. This is James Marlin with Dr. David Hall. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. We did have a lot of resources and things for you to look at. I wanted to make a highlight of a few of them. And also to let you know that all these links are in the show notes. Uh, we have the builder type assessment where you can take a short quiz to figure out what your next stage of building and scaling can be. Uh, David mentioned co-receptionists. I have a blog post on making uh, bulk content with AI, which is taking some quotes and things and using Canva to generate lots of content quickly. Uh, Choosing to Cheat, great book by Andy Stanley. You mentioned several places where you can find a virtual assistant. Uh, there's some training from the productive therapist for their therapy intake pro, their billing assistant pro. There's Fiverr, Upwork. Mentioned two other places for virtual assistants. One is Don't Panic Management. They do podcasting, newsletters, scheduling, but not necessarily mental health scheduling. Virtual Savvy was mentioned, and that's uh, for. Uh, I think uh, there's two things there. One is where you can find virtual assistants but also virtual assistants can be trained to start their own business and to uh, become their own um, their own con contractor. And then finally, uh, two, two last resources. We have Therapy, or, uh, uh, Therapy for Your Money. That's with Julie Harris. Uh, she has her return on investment calculator and almost whatever number you put in, almost every time a virtual assistant comes out as a good investment. And then finally, some more resources from Psych Maven. Whew. Well, hiring a virtual assistant is one of the better investments you can make. And I hope you take some of these resources and make some good decisions with that. Uh, the Scaling Therapy Practice is a podcast that is for uh, education and entertainment purposes only. Uh, we're not giving legal advice or tax advice. 
you happen to need legal advice, tax advice, uh, we recommend that you find a professional in that area so that they can support you with your needs. Gilling Therapy Practice is part of the SciCraft Network. See you next time.